Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey guys, this is Ruben Espinoza. And this is Tim Beamer. And we are doing our first of, I think, what is it now? Our first of four um, post uh, MJ Doc uh, podcasts. Uh, something just real quick to do. Again, like I, we just felt like we just wanted to have some more content out there, and it's a good way to kind of get us practicing, getting more of us practicing doing podcasts, you know, at different times and stuff like that. Because we may end up going to a more a model where we do more podcasts. So, and for right now, like this is what the basketball world is focused on. Like this is the center of the basketball world. We'll be talking about it all week. You'll see it on Twitter. But for right now, two hours every Sunday night, like. ESPN airs it across all three time zones at the exact same same time. It's 9 Eastern, 8 Central, 6 o'clock for me. Everyone's watching it. If you give even the slightest shit about the NBA, you are locked in on Sunday nights now. And it's one of the few chances we get weekly now to feel like we're doing something communal during this crisis. Yeah, it really is, man. Like, I haven't, I haven't live-tweeted, like, a show since, like, Game of Thrones. So, you know... It's just been fun to do, like just like everybody's yes. going on the timeline and just like talking their shit. So, and that was happening on Sunday nights, like this exact time last year. But unlike this time <laughs> last year, we are not getting disappointed every week. Absolutely not, man. So we should probably go and just start talking about the documentary then, because uh, this first one was mostly about uh, was mostly about uh, Dennis Rodman and you know the Bad Boy Pistons and all that shit. So that was fucking cool shit to see. I mean, you knew Dennis Rodman was going to be a wild ride when you heard the name Dennis Rodman, just knowing that he was going to be prominently involved. But it is, it's interesting to see. I don't, I don't know how to phrase this. It doesn't feel like, it feels like you're learning new things about things we already pretty much knew about. Like, we already knew that the Pistons were, uh, were the big obstacle for MJ to get over the hump. Because we kind of have this selective memory and a lot of people assume that like, oh, MJ got in the league, and, like, right when he got in the league, the Bulls' dynasty started. So, like, no, nah, man, he really, really had to overcome a lot, what, six, seven years before he could finally get over the hump and finally get past the bad boy Pistons. And, man, you could tell during that weight room training montage what exactly that meant to him to get past those guys. Yeah, dude, I think, and I think like, the Pistons, I think in the, the grand scheme of, like, the NBA, they kind of get – pushed aside like that little dynasty they had of two like back-to-back titles because obviously it's the Lakers it's the Lakers and the Celtics and then the Pistons for two years and then Michael you know the Jordan and the Bulls so you know I feel like it was good to kind of like recap like their time in the league and I know they have like 30 for 30s and their own document uh documentaries over their stuff but I mean it was cool to kind of see like where like Dennis Rodman came from and you know we've seen the stories like again he has his own 30 for 30 on that as well 
you know, but kind of just like seeing it kind of reiterated and how it, how it um, blends in, blends in with the Bulls in general, you know, like, cause again, he was on those Pistons teams that were just fucking assholes in a good way, in my opinion, you know, like just like that toughness that you obviously we can't see now in the league, you know, but for that, you know, for that time, seeing what he was doing, like seeing that he was playing at just some like no name college in Oklahoma and then just becoming like one of the like most like the craziest, weirdest like players like to ever play the game, like in the NBA, like it's a cool story, dude. So, yeah. So I guess the first half of the night focused more on him personally, and then they kind of transitioned more into the Pistons as a team stuff in the second half, the fourth episode tonight. But yeah, like you said, it's such a crazy story. I think Tim McMahon pointed out tonight. Um, so Dennis Rodman is a South Oak Cliff alum. Yes. They're yes. possibly the best basketball program in the state of Texas. He never touched the basketball while he was there. Or never played on the team, not one minute. And just like Tim McMahon said, that's the thousandth weirdest or most unique thing about this story, about how Dennis Rodman got to be where he was. Yeah, man. Like, all of it's just, it's like he's like, and it's funny because I remember like growing up, like, I knew more about him like as like a celebrity, like just like a weird like cult figure than like a yeah. basketball player. Like he was a basketball player second to me. Then like yeah, I definitely kind of grew up knowing about his celebrity and all the stuff. I, I think I knew more about uh, his relationships and with Carmen Electra and wearing different dresses and stuff. I knew more about that as a kid than I did about how he averaged like seventeen rebounds per season. I know it's funny because like during this documentary, like I've been kind of going back and checking, you know, Basketball Reference and being like, oh crap, like this guy did this. Holy hell, like. You know, um, or like, oh my god, like, you know, he again, like, he averaged like seventeen, you know, seventeen fucking rebounds a game and shit like that for one season or a string of seasons. You know, it's been, it's been, a, it's been kind of cool. Like, I don't pause it. Like, I won't pause it, but I'll like go on my phone and I'll like just quickly like look up like, hey, like, I want to look up Horace Grant's like stuff. Like, I want to look up like Dennis Rodman, like, just random guys who like keep like showing up like on, showing up in the in the um, in the documentary and stuff like that. Yeah, and just uh, yeah, things things you really forget about really get thrown at you. I was kind of the age I had to kind of learn later on in my life, kind of as I was a teenager and doing my own research that Rodman even played for the Pistons. Like I'd never heard of the Bad Boy Pistons, so I was probably like thirteen or fourteen or something like that. To me, Rodman was always just that guy on the Bulls with the crazy hair, because that's like when my consciousness, especially about the NBA, started. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, you know, so that, that, that first episode, I mean, that, I guess the, the third episode of the series has been really good. Um, you know, I'm trying to think what else he talks about. They kind of talked about, um, oh, that was kind of towards the end of the first, this first episode tonight where they were talking about the fact that he wanted a vacation. Yeah, that he was basically, he was basically the team's second leg while Scottie Pippen was, uh, was out with his injury and was refusing to play until he got traded. So they went through that whole thing about, uh, Jordan kind of had to, you know, he kind of had to ride Robin to get him to be that guy he could count on while Scotty was out because they started, I say terribly, they got off to an eight and seven start, which is by the 90s Bulls standards, absolutely terrible because they had just come off winning, what, 70 games. So, I mean, he eventually, and Jordan tells a story about how Rodman came to his room and asked him for a cigar, but 
he never says the words I'm sorry or offers an apology, but he knew that after a night where he had gotten ejected that that was Rodman's way of saying, look, man, I screwed up. And from that point on, Rodman balled out. So it's when Pippen gets back, Rodman's kind of the third wheel again, and he just kind of approaches everyone and says, look, I took on Pippen's responsibility. I kind of feel like I've been doing two jobs here. Now give me 48 hours to go to Vegas. Yeah, which I yeah, which, which it I mean, would like, not have been forty eight hours if he had his way. <laughs> and it's funny because I think about that, and I'm like, at one point, I'm like, man, that's just like a, that's like a Rodman thing to do, you know, just like need a couple of days, more than a couple of days in Vegas, and then you know, just walling out with Carmen Electra. But uh, at the other point, I'm also thinking like, well, you know, Michael basically like worked these guys to the ground, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, you know, Michael was basically pushing these guys like beyond their limits and. I think he was just one of those, he's one of those guys that, or Rob is one of those guys that just like needs time to just go like, you know, before he like, before he explodes or implodes or whatever, you know? Well, yeah. And Michael, you can see it multiple times throughout the first four episodes. He just doesn't understand why everyone's not wired the way he is, you know? Like when he's talking about how Scottie Pippen couldn't play in that game seven because he was going through a migraine and he was seeing double and it was all blurry and stuff. Michael's like, yeah, well, I guess he had a migraine. But you could tell he didn't understand why Scotty wasn't playing through it or just, like, pushing through it. Because in, in Mike's mind, he's like, well, I would have taken that pill that had a 10% chance to kill me. Why aren't you just put, pushing through it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Let's see. So he's kind of the same way with Rodman. But he also – I think Phil and Michael both did a great job with Rodman understanding that, like, you couldn't treat him like everyone else. Oh, yeah. When they when they talk about the Bulls acquiring him, and you see some of the uh, beat writers from the time saying, "Well, yeah, we were real worried about like would they get along, yada yada." I don't think Michael, Scotty, or Phil ever cared about getting along with Rodman. They were like, "Can we keep his head in the game? I don't have to be this guy's friend." I don't think MJ ever gave a shit about being anyone's friend. It's just, can we keep him focused? Can he do the job that we know he can do from his Pistons days and help us win? Because that's all anyone cares about here. Exactly, man. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to go ahead and I'm going to do the ad read uh, for this for this week. So let's see. And this week we have Simply Safe. With home security, there's two ways to go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do messy installation that costs a small fortune. Or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is, is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection. Two-time winner, two-time winner of CNET's Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. You barely notice that it's there, but it's what. But what's truly remarkable is that you can set up the system all by yourself. Anyone can do it. It takes thirty minutes to an hour tops. And there's absolutely no trade-offs uh, to your safety. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at any at any moment at a moment's notice, 24/7. It's only 50 cents a day, no contracts. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com/team today, and you'll get a free you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now. And be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash team. All right, now we're back. 
So a lot of the a lot of the Rodman stuff did bleed into the second episode, but the second episode the second episode of the night I think had some great 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 stories about again like again like the Pistons, and then a kind of um, um, Phil Jackson's rise and become this fucking just a world class coach and stuff like that. So well, let's not gloss over that. I think the second episode tonight it was right kind of as episode three was ending and four was beginning, but that they have to send Michael Jordan to be the one to hunt down Dennis Rodman in Las Vegas. <laughs> and Carmen Electra is hiding in Rodman's hotel room, hiding for Michael Jordan while he has to drag him back to come back to the team. Cause he was not going to give up or he was not going to come back in the 48 hour time period. They had set for him. That's true. Yeah, dude. I, I, I kind of glossed over that a little bit, didn't I? But uh, man, I, there's so many, there's so much crazy stuff here that just like you kind of forget because it's so like it feels like they could expound on like every single thing they're telling us, and like each topic they race through could be its own like separate hour, and we could probably do a hundred part documentary on all this. Oh yeah, I mean, um, like it's crazy because imagine the best player in the world, like. Going to Vegas, like knocking on your door, like opening the door, or whatever, and like being like, "Hey, yo, we gotta go." <laughs> like, like imagine, like I think someone tweeted about like imagine if it was like LeBron having to like grab uh, Danny Green from like wherever you know, like from yeah. L- from like Vegas or, or New York, whatever, and be like, "Yo, well, we yeah, have to go." Like, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's so weird, but in that same weird way, it makes sense because Michael probably was the only one Rodman respected to the point where Mike could get him back on the plane. Cause it's like, if you send Bill Cartwright to go get Dennis Rodman, you're never seeing Dennis Rodman again. Oh, absolutely. Mike was the one, Mike was the one guy short of law enforcement. They could have sent to Vegas, which, you know, Mike cares about winning. Cause if he wasn't playing, Mike would have never come back from Vegas. That's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. Oh yeah. He would have been right there with Rodman. So just, the wildness, and then throw in that Carmen Electric curveball, and <laughs> like that's and gotta be that's a story, man. I never knew about that. <laughs> so you know, and and also the the person who tweeted this, his name is at Mavs Evan. So thank you for tweeting that out, so I can show the world. Um, and uh, so talking about, they talked a lot about Phil Jackson and just like his rise of prominence. Like I knew, like. Because I'm weird and I'll like look up like random players from time to time, like just on my own. Like, I'll go to Wikipedia and be like, "Hey, whatever happened to this guy?" Or remember when we destroyed Phil Jackson's last playoff team? Like, just stuff like that. Like, hey, what you know? What was his life like? And so I kind of knew that he he um, coached in like the Continental Basketball League, which was like, you know, like the just you know basically like double A, triple A basketball. Or whatever, but I didn't know that he like started off from Puerto Rico, and just like the crazy story she was telling about Puerto Rico and how like they literally like would put like chicken's blood like on on their opponents like benches and like how like a, um, what was it, like a mayor or whatever like shot a uh, they shot a what do you call it an official you know and then had to be like detained from ever going back to the games or something like that dude like his life is wild it seems like so. Yeah, and they cut into that whole thing about how he, you could say on an intellectual or spiritual level, he connects to Dennis Rodman because they both feel like Native Americans. <laughs> yeah. That whole thing That whole thing was wild. I think it was 
at network, the guy that works with the ringer tweeted out at that exact moment, okay, drop the string, Phil. Like, <laughs> let us know what you're on right now. That, that was amazing. And it just speaks to his personality and that old Zen master persona that, like, the first time he interviews with the Bulls, he doesn't know what to wear to a job interview. Yeah, dude. Like, so just, the, guy, yeah. the guy that was working with Krause was just like, no way. So the second time that he goes to interview to be Colin's assistant, Krause has to tell him, okay, show up in a suit this time, please. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, just like, and, and I think he's the only person who would have ever, who would, he's the only coach that was able to manage that team, dude. There's no, I don't think there's anyone else, like in that time area, that would have been able to do it. Pop, maybe, but Pop wasn't known yet as like the guy. You know the guy that he is now, so yeah. And you could even you could even tell that Collins wasn't like disliked by the team. Like MJ really seemed like he liked him. He oh, got yeah. ro- he got roasted. Collins got roasted for like absolutely no reason by that Chicago Morning Anchor, whoever it was. It's like if you're getting ready for work this morning, you're not Doug Collins. I know that was kind of rude. I thought that was kind of rude, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it just like opens up and fires at him, and it's just like, well. We're all watching this in quarantine, and that's like half of America right now, where you're not getting up and getting ready for work in the morning. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of cool that they threw that in there, almost like a little tease for us. But, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, man, Phil Jackson in general, man, like just like his history of like, of course, like being on being a part of uh, two Knicks championships, the last two Knicks championships, actually. <laughs> you know, being a part of that team, and then kind of just like being like a journeyman, uh, you know, coach throughout like just like random leagues, like. In again in Puerto Rico, I think he had a little bit of time in Europe too and stuff like that. And just like him coming back and realizing, hey, like we need to implement the triangle, <laughs> like you know, which was like revolutionary at the time. And you know, I, I know it hasn't really been like you have to have a very very like particular set of skills to pull that off, to pull that you know offense off, you know, stuff like that. You know, which is why no one um, has really done it since. So yeah. It helps any system. Like, it's almost like in the NFL now. You can pretty much run whatever system you want if you have Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all. Like, Andy Reid could do whatever he wants. It was kind of like that with Phil. Yeah. Like, all right, you did have a pretty good system, but you had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and shooters that were pretty good for the time with Kerr and Paxson and stuff. Like, yeah. I do, I credit the triangle for a lot. And, like, but I think Phil's personality management was a lot more important team than anything he did with the triangle offense or anything. Cause like when you break down the triangle, it's movement to create spacing for scores. So it's not anything like insanely complex. I won't like try to break it all down here. Cause I'd probably bumble it up, but like, um, basically it was a bunch of people moving around. And if you crowded MJ, someone would be open and, like, just go get a layup. So you couldn't crowd MJ, which gave MJ a ton of one-on-one space, and that was just – that's lethal. So. Yeah, but that's – you know, that's, that, was the, that was the game at the time. You know, just – Yeah, and then, and then on the other end, you have Jordan, Rodman, and Pippen. Like, that might be the best, like, combination of wing defenders that this game has ever seen. Like, that, that is nuts. Oh, yeah, man. And you can – these guys have said that they think it's the defensive end that won them as much as they did yeah one thing i like about this documentary is that so it's called last dance obviously and they're talking about you know the their last championship it's like that last championship season but i like how they kind of go back to like his other champion to their other championships and kind of show like 
the struggle to get there, you know, like how they did, like, because again, like going back to the Pistons, like they were talking about the Pistons and how, um, you know, that was a hump. That was a big hump that, you know, Michael and the Bulls had to overcome to finally make the, to finally make the finals. And um, it's kind of weird. It was cool, like seeing, um, you know, them talk, because I've, I've seen like the Bad Boys documentary and them talking about how like, you know, they just left, they left the, the arena basically. You know, once they lost yeah. against the Bulls, and that was it. You know, that's that's all I ever really like. Kind of heard from that side, and so now hearing like, you know, MJ's like just straight up contempt. You know, just like, just hearing like him say like, "Oh well, fuck those guys." You know, like to this day, like, right. I think that was the quote of the night, and maybe the series so far is when they hand him the uh, iPad to watch Isaiah's explanation. He's like, "There's nothing you can tell me to convince me that he's not or he wasn't being an asshole." He's still just like, I don't care. Yeah. F Isaiah Thomas, F that team. Like, he still has that same contempt for those guys that he did almost 30 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, just like looking at that, it's like, okay, cool. Like, he just, he fucking hates those guys. And like, so part of me is, so part of me is always like, oh, like, hey, man, like, it was a long time ago. Like, let it go, blah, blah. Like, it's happened forever ago now. This is fucking years ago now. And then part of me is like, well, fuck yeah, bro. Like, I ser- there are still guys from my like, college that I'm like, fuck you. Like, I never ever want to, never ever want to be associated with you in my life. You know, stuff like that. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, man. And I mean, you could you can just tell that forgetting that stuff is not part of Jordan's DNA. Like, yeah, oh, yeah whatever yeah. crazy whatever crazy wiring he has, like, that's just not a part of it. He's gonna remember all that stuff. You can tell it when he's talking about his teammates, when he's talking about this Scotty contract stuff, or. You know, I've been impressed so far, like his ability to kind of remember everything in just vivid detail. Oh yeah, man. And just like, like I was, yeah. I was listening to a podcast with Zach Lowe and Steve Kerr the other day, and they were talking about that 91 final series against the Lakers or different games. And Kerr's kind of like, yeah, I remember that moment. Was that game three or game four? You know, yada, yada. MJ's got that like robotic ability to be like, Okay, this was the play. This was the set we ran with seven minutes and forty-one seconds left in Game Three in nineteen ninety-one, and this is exactly what happened. And who was more? And it's just like you can tell that stuff is just ingrained in him, and that's what makes him this psychotic competitor that kind of was the entire fuel for this whole dynasty. And he is definitely a psychopath. <laughs> like, like every every time he shows up on screen, I'm just like, I have to listen in on what the hell he's about to say because you know it's going to be something quotable or just something that's like just an insane like little like you know anecdotal story something like that and i mean dude this documentary has been so good and i think even if even if like the the season wasn't postponed or whatever right now like and they showed it the way that they were planning on showing it like in between finals games or whatever like i still would love this you know like i you know because even like during playoffs or whatever like i'm always dreading like oh crap like that's it. No more basketball after this, you know, for months. So it's been so good so far, man. So. Yeah. I think words maybe getting boosted by everything going on is like, I think some more people outside of, you know, kind of hardcore, even casual basketball fans are glued in. Cause they kind of want to see what everyone's talking about. Cause and we're in a time right now that if something's trendy, it's like everyone wants to jump on it so they can feel like they're in on something. So I think a lot of casual people are being drawn into this. I'd love to see the numbers. I think it was 6.2 million last week. I would guess it jumps up this week with all the buzz it's gotten. 
we might be looking at seven or eight million people tuning in tonight. But man, this has been really, really fun. I also feel bad for anyone who's watching the uh, ESPN two TV fourteen feeds. Oh God, dude! Oh, did you? Cause, Sorry, you go. <laughs> I was gonna say because being able to hear Doug Collins first episode tonight when they asked him, uh, "What's the what's the offense you ran when MJ hit the one game winner?" I don't think it was the shot in Cleveland. It might have been. No, it was another one. They're like, okay, so what play design or what was that? And he just goes, yeah, that was called the give the ball to Michael and everyone get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> Which is so great, dude. Like, yeah. I mean, that's what it was, you know, for that for that time period of Michael's life. That's how he played. <laughs> and, I, think a lot of, I think a lot of coaches get guilty of that exact thing where it's like they try to outcoach themselves. They think they have to, you know. Make a crazy, like, everything. scheme. And yeah. Yeah. It's like the best <laughs> coaching sometimes is just, okay. Here's my best player. Let's give Go him the ball. It. Yeah, let's give him yeah. the ball. Spread the floor, whatever. Like, yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, like, like, it's funny though because like, I can think about how I think it was that first episode too, where they're like they had him censored for some reason, and I was like, I think it might have been because it was a different like maybe like um, clip or something. You just get the rights to use the cuss word or something like that. But I heard that. I heard the beep, and I was like, wait, like, why did I just hear? Yeah, that? there's definitely. There's definitely stuff that they're using from like old ESPN and CBS and local news broadcasts for sure. Yeah. To where your their ESPN doesn't have the uh, unfiltered feeds of that, so they're kind of at the mercy of whatever editing was aired at the time. Yeah. Um, it's weird. They kind of I felt like more this week cut in old uh, Jerry Krause interviews, almost like in the same style that they're doing the today interviews with people. Yeah. So it's like they're transitioning into, I think, clips from like 2003 of Jerry Krause getting interviewed on ESPN. And it's kind of just, I, it's weird seeing a dead guy be interviewed in this. I feel bad for him, too. Like, I hope his family's not watching this because he's taking it pretty hard in this and, like, obviously not there to defend himself. Yeah, which I think is also, I think, another reason why Michael's like, yeah, go ahead and release it now. You know, just like, yeah, there might be another factor to it, and I think it's this kind of an asshole move, but it is Michael, you know. So, and I know he didn't well, like I mean, him, you know. So, the other asshole move about Michael releasing this now is he gave it the green light. Like I think I said that on the podcast, the one that got released this morning, but he gave it the green light when LeBron was coming back from down three one. Yeah, you know, because his legacy was being between the uh, between that Cavs team and then that uh, Warriors team, you know, just his legacy in general would seem to be in jeopardy. So (laughs) for a moment. Yeah. He just wanted to remind everybody. And I just speaking for me, I won't speak for anyone else here, but it's done a hell of a job at reminding me of just how great these teams were. Oh yeah. Oh man. So it's been good, man, but it's late over here and I need to get some sleep and you know, uh, so this has been awesome, man. We need, I'm so excited we get to do this, you know, for a few weeks, you know, just to put out some more stuff about this in particular. And we probably won't be touching touching most of it on the on the the, the regular pod anyway. So, you know, it's kind of good just to kind of get those those um, those takes out of the way, you know, early on and just like so you're not so I'm not sitting on them for, you know, however much however time. So. Yeah, for sure, and we're all easy to find on Twitter, so if you got any questions or want to talk to us about anything this week, I'd go for it. We love the feedback, and we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely try to be more interactive, especially right now as this goes forward. Exactly. 
And with that, guys, I will. We will see you guys later. This will this will hopefully be uploaded soon-ish. We'll see. So um, until then, uh, see you guys later. Take it easy, y'all. Stay safe.